0: All right, what's going on, you guys? It's Ron and Don. We're live from the Les Schwab Studios. And of course, we continue... Uh, to socially distance ourselves from one another, uh, which is kind of hard to do. Uh, it's my birthday. I'm used to being around Ron. He's used to being around me. And
1: instead- Happy birthday to you. Thank Happy you. birthday. This, this is, is your birthday. day to have a lot of fun in quarantine. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday. This is your day to socially distance and not see anybody. Hey. And many more.
0: And many more. <laughs> this is my grandma. <laughs> is my grandma and my mother now always sing and many more. So uh, thanks for that. Anyway, um, what lot a What a weird pe-
1: birthday. Like, yeah. seriously, we just stopped out for that. How does it feel? Because normally you would, you know, plan a dinner or we would plan some sort of cake ceremony or like, does it feel odd like you're missing out on something?
0: No, I've not. No, you, you know, I just, I... I worry a little bit about my fellow humans and about how they're, how they're taking all this. Because when you, when you walk into a store, for instance, uh, and here in Seattle, we haven't always been great at ha- having conversations with each other. Uh, but now, the conversations are really not happening now that uh, people are masked up. You can see fear in their eyes. And um, I, I think what's beginning to happen is there's an expectation. Uh, for our president, if you're the leader of the free world, to be able to call people together, uh, to be able to call governors together and say, "Hey, what what what's kind of our plan here moving forward?" And what you have happening here in Washington now, uh, and instead of working with with the federal government, we said we called California, we called Oregon, and we said, "Hey, you know what? Why don't we all band together?" In the next three weeks, as we begin to open things back up, and in fact, we had a Windermere meeting this morning, and the goal to open our offices, I think, is is three weeks down the road. We'll see if that happens, uh, but it just it, it it's concerning to me because it doesn't feel like people are leading right now, and and if I'm this president, number one. I would want to make sure I'm in constant contact with all the governors and maybe he is, but they need to start sharing the same story with the American people and, and also with the rest of the free world. And then I think the other thing is, you know, people are sitting at home. They've been promised a lot. They've been promised these SBA loans, uh, these $1,200 uh, grants. And it, and it seems like the federal government once again is pretty hard, far, hard, Pretty far behind on those things. And to your point, Ron, for a lot of folks, especially if you're in your twenties, you might have two or three weeks of savings and you're toast after that. So that twelve hundred dollar check means a lot to, to a lot of people. So I'm just I'm I'm concerned about just how fearful people are. And then I'm also concerned about the PTSD and the trauma that this is creating for a lot of people. This is is creating a lot of trauma, isn't it?
1: Yeah, I, I agree with you that it is creating a lot of trauma. And I, I struggle with it mentally in, in this sense. Uh, I have had this hypochondria come over me that I normally is not there. And I was telling you earlier, uh, so I, I've had seasonal allergies my entire life. And I know that it comes every year. But it's always a bit of a surprise because you get used to like the winter. There's no pollen floating around. So you sort of get, you know, your baseline, just the way you feel every day is pretty consistent. Then all of a sudden it hits you in in a very short amount of time. Like pollen just pops out of the trees and out of grass and we see it on our car windshields and that sort of thing. That little film that looks like dust. And so I know it's coming and it's hitting right now as we speak. And there I know that it's seasonal allergies, but there's a part of my brain that's like COVID 19, <laughs> you got the 19. And and I it's this weird existential dread thing that's just ambient in my brain. And I have to manually override it and go, I don't have COVID, like I've been extremely safe when I go to the or, or fastidious when I go to the grocery store. I always wear a mask. When I'm walking in the morning and I'm getting my miles in, I'm wearing a mask, um, I'm washing my hands, I'm doing all the things that I'm supposedly supposed to do, but I'm, I'm sure there are other people like me that there is a part of your brain and a part of the collective consciousness right now that is a little bit freaked out. And I don't get the people that are so cavalier right now walking around that walk their dog. Are walking down the street, or they're around other people, and they're not wearing any protective gear. Like I, I just, I don't get it, and I think it's a disservice to the the older folks amongst us. I actually saw some uh, older folks on Easter when I was out running an errand, and it was like, how can you just cavalierly not care about this age category in our midst, or the the food workers or the delivery people? It's like protect yourself. So I don't know, maybe I'm just different in that regard. Cause I'm obviously spending a tremendous amount of time alone and my brain, that's where my brain goes. You got the COVID and it's like, no, <laughs> it's, it's seasonal allergies. I know it's seasonal allergies, but I, uh, I literally got on the phone with my mom today to just like go over, uh, some health metrics. It's like, you're looking great. Cause she's, she's worked in the medical field her whole career just to like quell my fears. Like sometimes you just want to call your mom and she's like, yeah, everything's fine. Seasonal allergies, don't worry about it. And uh, it's good to hear, even though I know that intellectually, it's good to hear it emotionally.
0: Yeah. Well, and I think, I I think we have to be patient with each other because I was reading an article. I went back and I started reading time-lapse articles because people say, that the president was warned about this. So I wanted to see. So I went back and, and I started reading some earlier articles. And if you would have read an earlier article from the CDC, uh, they were saying that no one should be wearing masks. And this is when they were afraid that people were going to go out and buy up all these medical grade masks. And then the medical community wouldn't have them, uh, which has kind of happened anyway. So now you have people sitting at home uh, in their office, in a shared space, in their kitchen, and they're actually now sewing masks. And then you have hospitals teaching people how to make diaper masks. So it's interesting how when you when you look at the story of masks and should we wear one, should we not? Uh, where it really began to, to to take off, where Americans specifically started to wear masks. It wasn't for themselves, but when they were told when you when you when you wear a mask you're saying to somebody else you may not even know that you value them as a human and as a person because if you're carrying this and you sneeze or you cough, uh, you're doing your very best not to spread that and share that uh, uh, with them. So I find Americans do a much better job of wearing masks if they feel like they're protecting somebody else. Uh, So I don't know if it's a cavalier thing, Ron. I I, I think we've been given... A lot of bad information along the way, and that information continues to change. And I know for some people, at some point, you're just like, I'm not going to read the headlines anymore. Uh, I'm just going to get up and socially distance. And, and so maybe these were people early on that were reading the CDC recommendations that said, hey, no, nobody should be wearing a mask.
1: Yeah, that's a fair point. We have done a very poor job as a country, I think, of being on the same page. It's interesting, and I'm going to go into politics here for one second. We don't usually talk a lot of politics. There is a theory right now in an election year that if you can successfully blame shift this for your base, that you can capture their vote. And so if you can give a plausible blame shift theory... To your people that support you, they'll vote for you again. And if you can blame the CDC, if you could blame the World Health Organization, if you could blame governors or, or however you do it, if it seems plausible, then it's like, okay, well, I'll vote for you again. I found that to be very interesting because it's probably true. Um, there is a large group of people that want to blame someone. And if you could say, Oh, it's the Chinese being careless in their open markets. So we blame China or, Oh, it's the world health organization gave us bad advice out of the gate or however you want to do that. Um, instead of saying, Hey, this is, we were given information. We were flat footed and we did not act quickly, uh, that's just two life philosophies that are very different. Like I I subscribe to the latter that you, you take responsibility for the situation that you're in. And I know that you read a lot of stoic philosophy. Like that's number one on the list is accept life as it is. You don't, you don't try to make life into something that you want it to be Accept life as it is, and then act. Uh, And step one on that is going, this is our situation. It doesn't, really matter how we got here in the sense of what we're going to do with it you have to accept it as it as it truly is and we can talk about blame down the road but the first step when that house is on fire is to put the fire out
0: yeah yeah the the latin word and the stoics say this a lot is amor fati and it means just to be grateful for all of it uh the good things in our life the hard things in our life uh COVID-19, something that we're, we're all facing collectively. Uh, Eight billion of us are facing COVID-19. And, and to just be in a place of acceptance, appreciation, see what it has to teach you, wonder what your part is, and then, uh, and then how can you make it better uh, for the greater good, right? Yeah. Hey, coming up on the Ron and Don Show, this is really interesting. CDC early on said don't wear masks. Uh, now in Pierce County, for instance, uh, there are judges saying that all the inmates, uh, should have mass. And so I've been working with Ed Troyer down there to make sure that the inmates and those that work in the jail and the whole Pierce County Sheriff's department, we want to make sure they all had mass. So we've been working with an organization to do that. We'll tell you about that. Uh, also, uh, we have more information now about, Plasma and yeah, antibodies, plasma antibodies, and let's see the the ninety five, three things that I wouldn't have been talking about a couple months ago, and now it's all I read about is plasma antibodies and PPE. <laughs> let's go back. We'll talk about that. It's the Ronan Don Show. We're live from the Les Schwab Studios, only on the Ronan Don Radio Network. Hey, you guys, now a word from Les Schwab. Uh, right now, quote: "We're taking serious steps to help protect the health of our customers, our employees, and our communities. Based on guidance from the CDC and the World Health Organization, we have increased our cleaning and disinfecting efforts in every store, and we have temporarily shut down our popcorn machines and coffee service as an extra precaution for those who have to keep moving in order to support our communities." or to get the support that they need. We are committed to staying open as long as we can, and as long as it aligns with the guidance from local health officials, like so many. There's so many businesses. We continually are monitoring the situation, and we're evaluating how best to support and protect our employees and our communities. So don't forget, you guys. Les Schwab, they've been in the community for a long time, since 1952, and I can tell you, in being one of their spokesmen for the last 12 years, this is where Les Schwab really leans in and they really help. So if you're listening to this and you're out in a delivery truck right now, or if you're out in a semi, an 18, whatever it is, there is a Les Schwab near you. So make sure you pick up the phone, you give them a call or find one, just right on your smart device at leschwab.com. That's leschwab.com. Doing the right thing. You know it matters. Hey, guys. Welcome back. It's the Ron and Don Show, episode number 91. Don't forget, we are licensed brokers with Windermere. In fact, we just got out of a meeting this morning, and we're pleasantly surprised to just find out that real estate is actually doing well here in the great Pacific Northwest. So if it's time for Ron and Don to sit down, if it's time to just have a discussion about buying, selling, investing, reach out to us, Ron at Windermere.com, Don O'Neill at Windermere.com. And uh, we'll jump on a Zoom call together, and we'll have a virtual sit-down, and we'll find out where you're at um, in this real estate journey. Ron, you're talking a little bit about uh, plasma this morning, and we're talking about antibodies, and we're talking about testing. And they say, even though we may not have a vaccine for a couple of years, if, if we have testing, and now they're talking about antibody testing, uh, that may be a way that we can cope. With COVID-19, as we come back together, and I don't know if we'll be coming back together in stadiums, but it seems like in the fall, we'll be coming back together in classrooms uh, and in workspaces. And Ron, it's really all about this antibody test, right?
1: Yeah. Well, it, yes. And they don't have one yet that's a rapid testing. They're very manual. The, the thing that was encouraging to me that I saw, it's in the Seattle Times article, is that survivors of COVID-19, people that have been hospitalized, got through this pandemic and are, are now being released, what doctors are doing, and this is a theory that goes back a long time, they're drawing their blood of the survivors because they believe they have a high quantity of the antibodies that you just talked about to COVID-19. They're spinning that blood uh, and separating the red blood cells and the white blood cells from the plasma in a centrifuge. Then they re-inject the platelets, the blood cell, the, the blood cells back into the patient. They take the plasma out and then they inject that plasma that has got a bunch of the antibodies from person A, they put it into the body of person B. So they'll take, if you were a survivor, let's say, and I was on a respirator, we take your blood out, spin it down. You get your own red cells back and your white cells. I They would inject your plasma into my body with, on the theory that the antibodies that your body developed would help fight the COVID that is ravaging my body and my lungs. This is a (laughs) really, it seems like science fiction in a way, that that could work. Um, But they've done a couple trials in China where they think they had good results, where they did this. They took your plasma, put it into another person that's suffering, and they say that within five to 10 days, they saw a dramatic improvement in their health. Uh, I don't know if you can scale this up, if it's a one-to-one thing where they have to have one person who recovered for every person that they inject or, or how scalable it is, but what an intriguing line to take. And there's doctors at Fred Hutch right now that are like, yeah, we're doing this. This is a thing that, uh, and there's a picture of a woman named Elizabeth, Elizabeth Schneider Uh, She got COVID-19 in February here in the state of Washington. She is now giving her blood to be spun down and given to people that are much worse off than she is, that are on ventilators. I I find that to be just incredibly fascinating. So in lieu of having a vaccine, which is the same concept, uh, what a vaccine does is actually introduces a more benign form of the virus into your bloodstream so that your body will produce antibodies. That's what a vaccine is. And that's why there's still a very small percentage of people that have an adverse reaction to vaccines every year Um, of all a vaccine is doing is getting your body to kick into gear, to give you, to produce antibodies. And so this is sort of a shortcut of that, of taking someone else's antibodies it's sticking them into, into a sick person's body. Uh, I, I hope that it helps to get some people off of ventilators that may have died.
0: Yeah, and those are all interesting and, and great points. Uh, they say one of the reasons why uh, younger kids, for instance, don't get as sick because COVID-19, they believe, enters through your nasal passages and also down your down your throat. So sometimes when you sleep at night, and you sleep with your mouth open, uh, COVID can climb in there, which is kind of gross. That freaks me out. Uh, But with young people, it stops there, and they're able to fight the virus off. Uh, For older people, it will introduce itself into our lungs, and then that's when you see a lot of the respiratory problems uh, that some patients are having. And you can imagine, or maybe not imagine, if you've had asthma, I have someone in my family that has asthma. And when they're having an attack, it is a scary thing. And I can't imagine having an asthma attack and then having COVID-19 with these deep, deep uh, lung infections. Um, I, I can't imagine what that's like. And, and I heard Tom Hanks' uh, wife, she was talking about this uh, because they had COVID-19 and they're still quarantined. I think they're in their fourth week now. And she said for her, she had a fever fever uh, for almost nine days, nine to 10 days. And she said it affected her, uh, system. It was, it, it, she struggled with it a lot more than her husband, Tom Hanks did. Uh, he had a low grade fever, but she, she had vertigo. She had muscle aches. She was very, very sick. She said uh, it's probably the sickest that she's ever been. And, uh, and she wasn't sure cause you turn on the TV and you start seeing these stories of people that don't survive this, that you would expect them to survive something like this. Uh, so nonetheless, uh, she's a great follow, Rita Hanks, if you want to follow her on Twitter. Uh, and she and both her husband, Tom, are sharing some pretty valuable information.
1: Did you hear about the 104- about all this right now, so. Did you hear about the 104-year-old World War II veteran that recovered No. His 104th birthday. His name is Bill Lapskis. Wow. And uh, he recovered. They let him out of the hospital on his 104th birthday. They asked him for a comment. And this is a guy that survived World War II. They asked him for a comment. And his comment was, it just went away. (laughs) So, uh, he's from, uh, he lives in, in Lebanon, Oregon, but I loved I love his that. quote. Like, that's yeah. such a World War II veteran quote. Yep, yeah, just just went away. I'm just 104. Away.
0: Yeah. All right, we're going to go away for a minute. We'll see you on the other side of this. It's the Ron and Don Show, only on the Ron and Don Radio Network. We are live from the Lushwab Studios. Don't go anywhere, you guys.
1: Hey Ronnie Don here for Les Schwab, and they sent us this message. The safety of the customers of Les Schwab and its employees is a top priority. We're committed to staying open to provide necessary services to our customers, particularly those we all rely on for essential services and who cannot self-isolate as long as we can and as long as it aligns with guidance from local health officials. We're taking serious steps to help protect the health of our customers, employees, and communities. Based on guidance from the CDC and the World Health Organization, we increased our cleaning and disinfecting efforts in every store and have temporarily shut down our popcorn machines and coffee service as an extra precaution. Anyone who's had an unexpected flat tire, brake trouble, or a dead battery knows why our customers depend on us to help ensure their vehicle is safe and reliable, even during these unusual times. We want to thank our store employees who remain dedicated to helping our community get where they need to go. For those of you who have to keep moving in order to support our communities, or to get the support they need, we're committed to staying open as long as we can, and as long as it aligns with the guidance from local health officials. Like so many other businesses, we're continually monitoring the situation and evaluating how best to support and protect our employees and communities.
0: All right, you guys, welcome back to the Ron and Don Show. It's episode number 91, and we appreciate all of you for listening. Get signed up for the newsletter if you want to stay in touch with us. It goes out every Wednesday. Just go to dot down.com. You get signed up for that. We appreciate everybody out there that's sponsoring the show on glow. More information at dot down.com.
1: And seriously, um, happy birthday to you. Today is your actual birthday. And, uh, just want to, I wish we could go out and, and have some dinner tonight.
0: Yeah. Well, thanks for that, Ron. I appreciate that. And, and it's been really great to hear from, uh, uh so many wonderful people today. So, so thank you for that. Happy birthday. I, I, I appreciate that. Um, it's kind of interesting. We, we were talking earlier about some of the messaging and the different type of messaging that we get from state government, local government, national government, and it doesn't seem like everybody is on the same page. And I think we're beginning to see, as I said yesterday on episode 90, uh, the power that governors really have. I mean, you you look at New York, for instance, in the New York, New York Police Department, what is there, 36,000 police officers in the New York uh, police department. And I think, what would that make them? Uh, somebody told me it would be like the 12th largest standing army in the world. Uh, when you think about Los Angeles and San Francisco, uh, I think as far as the world economies go, it represents, I think it would rank number six, just the state of California. And so we have these microeconomies, especially for those of us that rely on tech when you go up and down uh, the Western corridor here, all the way up to Vancouver or Seattle, there's a lot going on in Portland now in Eugene and then uh, down San Francisco and LA and it, and it, and it seems like uh, folks are trying to get on the same page when it comes to messaging. I got a call from detective Ed Troyer, the PIO of the Pierce County Sheriff's department the other day. And he said, could you put me in touch with Ming Ming from the Refugee Artisan Initiative, and they are the folks that have been making masks around the clock. Uh, and we've been delivering those masks to a lot of hospitals. And I said, what do you need? He said, well, we just we just got a court order uh, that every single one of my officers, uh, that every single person that works in the jail, and every single uh, prisoner that we have right now, that they all need to be masked up, that it's mandatory, uh that they wear these masks. So I was able uh to put Ed in touch with Ming Ming. We met in Lake City yesterday and they picked up their first 750 masks is Ming Ming and her crew, as they just worked through the weekend, uh, to create these masks for the Pierce County Sheriff's Department. Uh and then the question becomes like I went into a store the other day with a mask on and I I was in Fred Meyer and I was picking up just some cleaning materials. And then uh, a couple things for my son's birthday, and I looked up in when, when I looked up on the on the little TV screen. Hang on, hey Baba,
1: hi.
0: What's going on? Happy birthday. Hey, thank you. Uh, I'm just recording the show right now with Mr. Ron. Can I call you back? What? I'm recording the show right now with Mr. Ron. Can I call you back? Okay. I'll call you back. I love you. Thank okay, thanks. Bye. There you go. My son wishing a happy birthday, uh, which I so appreciate. Uh, what were we talking about?
1: We were talking about uh, Ed Troyer and you uh, dropping off 700 masks. It's so there. Yeah, so.
0: So they got their first 750 mass yesterday. Go ahead, Ron.
1: So it's a court order, uh, and we saw the story today that like yeah. some 950 prisoners statewide are going to be let out because COVID is now ravaging the incarceration population because they're just so close to each other. It's almost impossible to maintain a six foot separation. So that's very interesting, and and uh, that that's what's happening right now Yeah, Uh, and and how many masks do you think Ming Ming and you uh, have distributed so far have you added it up in your head because she only has seven women right there are seven women with the Seattle Artisan Initiative from different countries around the world Uh, it's in the thousands by now is it not
0: oh yeah definitely in the thousands and and these women are pros when you look at the wares they make uh, that they sell uh in local stores that they sell online. I mean, they they truly are artists. So I I'm just so glad that they didn't look at work like this as demeaning or degrading to them because you look at their other stuff and you're like you're you're blown away by it. And and the quality of the masks that we've been handing out, they sew in these little pockets. So that way if you want to put another piece of material or you wanted to build a barrier, uh, and let's say that you're in a hospital setting, uh, then that would that would allow you to do so. But, but, but here's the thing. You, you give one mask to one prisoner and, and one jail guard, one police officer. Uh, now those masks, all those masks, right? So he's going to have 3,500 masks. Now somebody has to launder all those masks and how do you launder those masks? And then do you give clean masks away to other people or do you somehow have to connect them with the same mask? And you don't want to wear the same mask all the time if it hasn't been laundered, especially if it's cotton, uh, because then you just end up carrying the COVID with you wherever you go. So um, we're, we're living in some interesting times here. And I think it's, it's it's interesting that there would be a court order in Pierce County, and then it was just placed on the shoulders of someone like Ed to say, hey go figure this out and, and go do what everybody else in the world is doing right now. Uh, see if you can find some mass.
1: Well, uh, you know, I know this is, I guess the sentiment that I just happened to think about is, yes, that's interesting. And it's also, I'm proud of you on your birthday for giving back to the community. I mean, I know you don't do it to get thanks or kudos, but Thanks and kudos to you and to Ed and to Ming-Ming. I wish I could be a bigger part of it. And I've tried to be in my own way, but the the actual in-person deliveries, you know, I I only did those first couple right at the beginning. Uh, And you've helped a lot of people. And I think Ming-Ming's spirit and her heart of being uh, close to the medical community really has blossomed into a situation where thousands of people have been assisted by that. And so that's probably now, this may go down as your greatest birthday, you know, cause you've made the birthday about people other than yourself. And so good job to you and to her and to Ed and to uh, those seven women that I hope to meet someday. And I hope it's a scenario where I can, give them a hug freely without worrying about touching another human being.
0: Yeah. Well, and thank you for that, Ron. I, I think of these seven women and you think about their story and I'm not going to politicize this. This is just the truth. I mean, their story is our story. Uh, if we didn't come here as refugees, we certainly, had, um, we certainly had relatives that came here for the first time and maybe didn't speak the language and, and had to find a way. And the thing that I love, what these women have done, is they have taken their lives uh, and these incredible skills that they have of creating things, and they've put that on hold. Um, Ed Troyer was trying to give Ming Ming a check yesterday, and she wouldn't accept it. Um, she said, you know, we've raised some money through the GoFundMe, and we're just going to trust that money will continue to come through the GoFundMe pages. And I've seen the amount that they've raised, and we've raised some, but but not enough to cover the cost of those 3,000 masks. But it's the spirit of, hey, we have a new start here at the tree, and what we want to do is we want to take care of people, we want to be a part of this. We want to be a part of the fabric of helping others. And so here you have these women from places like Hong Kong and Vietnam and Afghanistan, and they're sewing around the clock to take care of all of us and our first responders. That to me is a beautiful story. And we always go back uh, to the Mister Rogers quote. And it wasn't Mister Rogers who said, "Show me the helpers." It was his mother. Uh, that talked about the helpers and she was teaching him. And so I would just encourage everybody when, and there's no doubt that we have some tough times ahead of us and we have some tough times behind us, right? Uh, Just continue in the spirit of these seven women to look for the helpers and then to also ask ourselves, how can I jump in here and be a part of something bigger than myself? And how can I jump in and help? And sometimes just staying home, Just by staying home, uh, you are doing so much because you're stopping the rate of infection and you're literally saving lives. So to everybody out there who is staying home, um, that's the best birthday gift uh, that you could give me today. Take care of yourself, okay? He's Ron. I'm Don. Thank you for stopping by. Episode number 91. I appreciate all the beautiful birthday greetings today, you guys. I really do feel like I'm just one of the luckiest men uh, in the world. I really feel that way. So, Ron, thanks for singing like my mother. uh, That was great. And
1: many more than old. Two days ago.
0: You keep your head up and your shoulders back. We'll see you next time. For episode number 92, it's the Ron and Don Show. Only on the Ron and Don Radio Network.